Welcome to the Right Division Network Podcast, a production of Grace Family Bible Church in Buffalo, New York. I'm your host, Pastor Scott Morton. we'd like to thank you once again for joining us as we study God's Word, Rightly Divided. And we're going to be continuing today in our studies going through the book of 1 Thessalonians. We are here in chapter number 4. We'll be starting verse number 11 today, which says, And that ye study to be quiet, and to do your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you. So, here we have the Apostle Paul continuing to really build on the information which he's already been laying out here and how he's been dealing with these practical things for the members of the body of Christ. So once somebody has put their trust in the gospel message for today, and that gospel message is the fact that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, and when once someone puts their trust in that and that alone, they have salvation. They are a member of the body of Christ. And that's why when we see in this text that the Apostle Paul, and using this issue of, and that ye study to be quiet. So we have the Apostle Paul speaking to the issue of, all of the body of Christ. You know, that this is not just something of where this is dealing with, you know, one individual. And that's where, you know, some of the modern translations that are out there on the market, when they just replace the these and yees with you, that it loses a lot of the context of what is being said in those passages because it makes it very difficult to see, is Paul writing to just one individual? Is he speaking to the collective you, the plural you in there? And that's where the issues of, you know, the words that are used in the King James are there for a reason to help individuals understand exactly what is being said. And I actually want to take a moment here to read something that kind of actually explains the issue of these words. And it says here, Many people today think of words like thou, thee, and ye as Bible language because they are found in the older English translations. It's not just Bible language, though, but words that were commonly used when the early translations of the Bible were being made. In Shakespeare's plays, which are written between 1589 and 1613, thou, thee, thy, thine, and ye are used in abundance. In modern English, we have dropped the use of these words and simply use you or your in their place. This simplification of the English language is mostly advantageous, but it does have its drawbacks. The different forms of you that were used then had different meanings. Thou and thee are singular, ye and you are plural, thou and ye are subjects, thee and you are objects, thine is the possessive of thee, it becomes thy when used before a vowel. So these words don't simply mean the same thing as you. 
They help keep the distinctions found in the original Hebrew and Greek. For example, most of the Ten Commandments given in Exodus 20 begin with thou shall. Thou is singular, so each commandment was addressed to each Israelite, not just to Israel as a nation. The you shall found in modern versions could be plural or singular. In cases like this, giving careful attention to the context and the comparing of related scripture passages are essential in accurately determining the, the attended meaning. So when we look at these things and see how, as Paul's talking here and identifying to these saints in Thessalonica, that he's referring to the entire assembly here as he's giving this practical information and saying the issue of, and that ye study to be quiet. So he's talking about the whole assembly here and saying that there's a need for studying that has to go on. And when we look at what the scriptures talk about related to the knowledge of the word of God, we see how there really is an importance that God puts on the fact that individuals and the assembly as a whole needs to have an understanding of what the word of God actually says. You know, each individual is given a responsibility and as the individuals come together, the collective is able to then study and edify each other through the information that each of them has. That's why you see how the Apostle Paul prays for the saints here. Let's go over to Colossians chapter number 1 to where we're going to see how Paul, as he's beginning this epistle to the assembly in Colossus, offers up a prayer for them related to what he's looking for with them. We'll start here in verse number 9 of Colossians 1, and we're going to go down through verse number 11. It says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will, and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord into all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering, with joyfulness. Now, as we see this of where Paul is praying for them, we see how the very first thing that is identified in this passage of what he's praying for is the fact that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So here he is praying for the entire assembly and praying for the fact that they would have this growth in the knowledge of the will of God. And the only way that somebody's going to get that knowledge of the word of God and I think is through their 
study of what the word says, and then individuals will have the understanding of what God's will is. And you see how, again, it's an issue of that ye might. So it's all of them that have this responsibility, where too often individuals think it's only the leaders of the local assembly need to have this understanding and then they just you know teach and say things to us and we don't really need to have the understanding of what God's word says all individuals need to have that understanding and the reason why all individuals need to have it is that way they can be able to put to the test of what it is that those who are proclaiming the word of God, making sure that they're doing it in a proper manner. And the only way that that can be done is if everyone has that understanding and is able to put it to the test. That's why you see from that collective issue to now we're going to look at from the individual thing, and it's even gonna, even as we're looking from the individual, we're gonna see how it's gonna take it to the ye again here in Romans chapter number 12. And we're gonna read the first two verses where it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, again, we're seeing how it's the issue of everyone having this responsibility. And so often when these passages are really being presented, it's you just present, well, it's just your individual responsibility, not the fact that the individual, you know, if every individual is being responsible, the collective is going to be responsible, but it's the responsibility of everyone to do this. That's why it's the ye. We see how the growth that's going to occur. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. To where we see how it is that the word is actually going to work in an individual here. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, we're going to read from verse 6 all the way down through verse number 16. So starting here at verse 6 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man 
knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Now we have the mind of Christ because we have the completed word of God. So that information that we have, Genesis through Revelation, we have the mind of Christ. So we have all the information that we need. Now it's the issue of we taking it in and having it be applied to our life. And as we went through this passage, one of the things that became very evident was the fact about how it, the growth in the knowledge of what God's Word says, that's the fact that the Spirit communicates with the Spirit that's inside of us, comparing the spiritual things with spiritual, so that way we gain the insight into what God's Word actually says. This is why the instruction about having this growth, about the issue of studying things, that all of these things can only be said to somebody who already has salvation. That's why we see how Paul identifies what the will of God is, the fact that all men would be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth, that there's that order that's there of salvation first, then individuals coming unto the knowledge of the truth. Because if somebody does not have salvation, they're not going to be able to understand the things of what the Word of God actually says. They're not going to be able to get the benefits of the Word. They're not going to be able to have that growth actually occurring. That's what Paul's bringing up here in this text. And this is right after he had actually laid out some things you know, about how you know, in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians about the issue of the preaching of the crosses to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. That he talks a little bit about the issue of salvation there because he knows that that's what has to be there first before there can be that growth. And when we look at that 
growth of what's going to happen, we know that the intake of God's word always has to go through the fact of what 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Study the shoe thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we take in the word of God, we apply the principle of right division, understanding what is the truth that applies to us, separating that from the truth that does not apply to us, and only applying the doctrine that truly impacts who we are today. Also knowing the fact of what Paul says about the Word of God. And I'm going to read here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll read verses 16 and 17, where it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, throughly furnished unto all good works. So there's the issue of, and this is what individuals who understand and proclaim right division, what people accuse us of is the fact that you know, well, you only read Paul and you don't understand anything else that's written in the scripture. Paul identifies and says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So everything from Genesis 1 all the way through Revelation chapter number 22, all of that is the word of God. It's given by inspiration of God. And because it's all scripture and it's given by inspiration, all of that from Genesis 1 through Revelation 22 is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The issue is that, you know, yes, it's all doctrine, it's all reproof, it's all correction, it's all instruction in righteousness, but we understand it in the context of who is the audience of what that word of God is actually given. And when we look at it, and we take a book that's written to the body of Christ, for example, the book of Romans, you know, Romans is profitable for doctrine. Romans is profitable for reproof. Romans is profitable for correction. Romans is profitable for instruction in righteousness. And it's profitable for all of those things because it's part of all scripture. And since it's part of scripture, it's profitable for all of those things. You know, it's the responsibility of, and a big part of why it is, when we talk about the local assemblies, why it's important to have a local assembly and be going to that local assembly is that there's the edification, there's the exhortation that occurs by the members of the body of Christ being there with each other to have 
that growth that's supposed to happen in there as part of that studying and the studying is done together. The end result of that is going to be the issue of the other part of the local assemblies, the fact that the local assembly should be able to raise up individuals who've had all of this edification occurring to raise up that next generation so that way they're going to be able to carry out and continue this information. That's why Paul gives, and we're here in 2 Timothy, let's turn back a couple chapters here to chapter number 2. And we're going to read verse number 2 of 2 Timothy 2, which says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So the issue of what needs to happen is that the information that's part of this studying needs to be committed unto faithful men who could be able to go out and teach other individuals. So the end result of really, if we said, you know, how do we know that a local assembly is being successful? You know, because, you know, everyone wants to have this thing of, you know, what is the true measure of success? Well, a measure of success is the fact of, is 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 2 actually occurring? That there is this growth happening, this taking up of the next group of individuals who are able to go and do this. If that is happening, then Yes, there's success because it's follow, the success is the fact that it's following what God's word actually says. If it's not happening, then really the assembly needs to kind of look back at the idea of what are we doing because we need to be making sure that this happens. That as this studying, as the group actually happens that we are having this raising up of the next generation. Now, everything that we've looked at today, all of this information about studying is coming from what Paul wrote in his epistles here. Now, we also see if you go through you know the other scriptures you see how there is information in the other scriptures about the idea of studying and the responsibility that individuals had related to this and you know that's where when we get together for the next one of these studies we're going to pick up with the issue of, you know, now that we've seen that Paul speaks about this, you know, what is it that was actually said to the nation of Israel? Because 
there's information that was given to them regarding this. And the unfortunate thing is that what we see is that there was a ton of failure that happened. You know, that they were not successful in doing this. Now, just as they were not successful, the reality of things is that for the most part, you know, when we look at what is going on in Christianity today, that for the most part, you know, what Paul has said really isn't happening in Christianity. And we'll talk about some of those things as well about where it is that individuals have ended up and trying to look at how do we correct those things. Now, as we close here, I'd like to remind everyone of our website, which is www.gracefamilybiblechurch.org. And on our website, we have a number of study articles. We have some charts to help you in your study of God's Word. We have some old audio files of some previous messages. We have information about how to watch our services live on Facebook, your Sunday morning service, which occurs at 9 o'clock a.m., and our Wednesday night Bible study, which occurs at 7.30 p.m. And as always, if you have any questions or comments about anything on our broadcast, anything on our website, we would love to hear from each and every one of you. And until next time, keep fighting that good fight of faith, preaching this message to this lost and dying world.